Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. I'm more convinced than ever that if we're going to see people drawn to Christ and his church in the days ahead, it will be through Christians not only preaching the gospel, but living in the way of Jesus. You know, seriously, the days are over where you could get by with not practicing what you preach. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, in a message titled, The Church Stumbling Before the World. Now, here's Pastor Brian. If you take the loss, Christ is honored. If you insist on your own way and your own rights, then inevitably Christ is going to be dishonored. Now, why not rather be wronged? You see, Paul is basing this on the fact that this is what Jesus did. Jesus was wronged. And he accepted the wrong. Now, earlier I referenced 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to go back and I want to read the whole passage and listen to what Peter says about Jesus and what he says about us in relation to what Jesus did. He said, to this you were called. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So you see, We're destined to glory. Our identity is saints. And we're called to follow in the example of Jesus. And then what does it say about him? It says, who committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So you see, Paul is saying, look, this is the example that Jesus set for us. You know, I think oftentimes we make the mistake, I think this is common in the church, we make the mistake of saying, well, you know, Jesus was perfect, I can't be perfect, therefore I thank God for his grace that I'm saved and I'm not going to worry about trying to be perfect because I'll never be perfect. Well, you know, the Bible doesn't say for us to consider Jesus in that way. It says that Jesus is our example, an example to be followed. And here we see that rather than fight for his own rights, so to speak, he takes the wrong and he puts himself in the hands of God. It says, I'm going to trust God. Now, this is what Jesus did. This is also what he taught. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said many things, but I want to focus on what he said here, and it will be familiar to you. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, 
do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And now listen to this. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand your coat over as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. So you see, Paul is is just like, he doesn't have to go far to show them how wrong they are. Look, Jesus said that the very issue that you're involved in here in the church in Corinth that is giving a bad name to the gospel, the very issue that you're involved in, Jesus himself addressed it. He said, if someone wants to sue you and take away your shirt, give them your coat as well. That just sounds crazy, doesn't it? Well, it is crazy. But in the eyes of the world, that's how we are supposed to look. We're supposed to look like crazy people. Like, wait, no, no, you don't do that. No, you stand up for yourself. You stand up for your rights. You take what's yours. That person wronged you, you sue them. You have a right to do that. That's our cultural mentality, and I'm afraid that's the mentality in the church as well. See, here Jesus is dealing with the natural inclination to retaliate and to not let anyone take advantage of or disrespect or rip us off. He's saying this, don't let your natural inclinations determine your actions, but let the spirit of your heavenly father govern your response. That's what he's saying. You see, our natural inclination is to retaliate, isn't it? Our natural inclination is to get back at the person who's doing us harm or damage or whatever the particular case might be. That is naturally the way we want to respond. So again, that's why he says to the Corinthians, you're fleshly. Because you're just carrying out what's natural. But the truth is you're spiritual. So you need to submit to the spirit. You see, this is what the Spirit of God does in the life of a person who puts their trust in Christ and is purposefully seeking to obey him. The Spirit gives us the power to do what we naturally would not do. The thing that we would be uninclined to do, the Spirit enables us to do it. And it's the Spirit of our Heavenly Father who, this is how our Father is, He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Be perfect, therefore, even as your heavenly father is perfect. You see, this is is what Paul's doing. Again, he's appealing to their destiny. He's appealing to their identity. He's appealing to their calling. When he says to them, why not be wronged? They would naturally say, what are you talking about? That's crazy, Paul. I'm not going to let this person rip me off. 
Paul says, why? That's what Jesus did. And not only did Jesus do it, he called us to do it as well. So the question then is, what are we to think of this in our situation today? So our situation today, I think, is somewhat different than things were back then. But I think that in principle, this still totally applies. So let's look at a few things where this would apply to us. First thing to note is that the real issue here is the believers suing other believers. So that's the problem that Paul is addressing here. And back beyond the suit, there's the conflict itself. Why are you having a conflict? And notice he said, remember, he said that this action that you're taking is evidence that you've already completely failed. So what's he talking about? They've already completely failed in regard to loving one another, in regard to how they are to live together relationally. And now the lawsuit is just the outward evidence of the failure that's taken place. You see, again, God has called us, he's given us his spirit, and he's called us to live together a certain way. He's called us to forgive each other. He's called us to seek to honor one another and to love one another and not to slander or swindle or defraud or whatever other thing that might happen among us. He's called us not to do those things. But when we do those things and they manifest themselves in something like this lawsuit, he says you're completely defeated. This is a complete defeat. So we've got to go back and just say, okay, wait, we got to start fresh. Let's just forgive and let's realize that we can't behave like this as the people of God. He's called us to behave differently. Now, the second thing I want you to note is the passage has nothing to say about lawsuits in general or in the case of a Christian in a lawsuit with an unbeliever. And I just simply say this for instructional reasons because I've had this question asked many times over the years. So is this saying that, you know, there should not be courts, there should not be even the possibility for a lawsuit. No, it's not saying that. Paul's not addressing lawsuits in general. He's addressing this specific situation here. Now, thirdly, and this is very relevant today, today we have what are actually known as frivolous lawsuits. So a lawsuit, you know, today people just, it's like the default mode. It's, I'm going to just sue you because I'm going to sue you. Because I can sue you. And this happens all the time. And these are generally frivolous lawsuits. And I do not believe that Paul is uh, forbidding someone to defend themselves against a frivolous lawsuit. We as a church have been sued many times, frivolous lawsuits. And a frivolous lawsuit, sometimes even brought by a person who's a professing Christian. But the objective in the end is always, I'm going to get 
rich. So some years ago, we had this situation. I'll just give you an example of what I'm talking about. We had this situation where we were notified that we were being sued. And we were being sued. There was a situation that happened in a church, a small church in the Midwest. And that church in the Midwest was part of the larger Calvary Chapel group of churches. And somebody had done something wrong at that church. And so some of the families in the church, they sued that church. But that was a small church that didn't have much that they could sue for. So what probably their attorney said, hey, well, there's this big Calvary Chapel that probably has a lot of money, so let's include them in the lawsuit because they have the same name. And so we were brought into that suit. We didn't know the pastor. We didn't know anything about the church. And the person that the lawsuit was all centering around, we had never heard of this person in our entire lives. The person had never been to this church in his entire life. But somehow, we were culpable. And so they were going to get some money from us. And in a case like that, of course, we had to defend ourselves. So what I'm saying is I don't think Paul is, that's not the the type of thing that he's talking about. Again, he's talking about this contention within that spills over, is not resolved. Isn't there anyone among you that can resolve this? That's part of his rebuke to them. Why aren't you solving the problem internally? Why is it that you're taking it outside? That's what he's talking about. But the bigger issue here is how we follow and represent Christ in a culture that puts personal rights and self-preservation above everything else. That's the culture we live in, and that culture has seeped into the church. So how do we follow and represent Christ in a culture That puts personal rights and self-preservation above everything else. Here's the answer, and it's not one that you're going to like. Suffer wrong. Sometimes, in some cases, God says, let it go. Suffer wrong. In some cases, it's an inconvenience. In some cases, it's more serious. And secondly, entrust yourself to the one who judges righteously. This is how we are to handle things. Again, this is so opposite of the world. But it's also opposite of the way most people think in the church today. A friend of mine some years ago, his child died as a result of some mistake on the part of the medical worker. And so there was a malpractice suit that they were being encouraged into. And there were some powerful forces that wanted to support and get behind them, guaranteeing, I mean, they were literally going to sue a state. 
And so guarantee we are going to get a lot of money out of this. And of course, they lost their child. So that was something that, and it it was because of negligence on the part of this medical worker. So anyway, this opportunity kept being presented before him and, and my friend was reaching out to me and he you know, was asking me for counsel and advice. What did I think? And I said in the end, I said, you know what? As hard as this is going to be, I believe you should let it go. And knowing his condition at the time, mentally and everything, I said, because if you don't, this will probably kill you going through all of this. And he prayed about it, felt like that was the word of the Lord for them and just walked away from the situation. Put it in God's hands. And God restored their lives. You know, we're never going to lose doing things God's way. It might look like we're losing from from the world around us, it might look like we're losing to ourselves. But the fact is we're not losing. And even though it might look like we're losing to the world around us, people are going to say, that's, that's crazy, but that's, wow. Man, that restores my faith in humanity. That's what we're talking about here. So we suffer wrong and entrust ourselves to the one who judges righteously. Remembering we are following Jesus. We're following Jesus. We're following his example, as it said there in Peter. The world is watching and longing for an alternative. We are citizens of that alternative kingdom here to show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light and to invite others into that kingdom that is already, but not yet. Already, but not yet. Listen, we're in the kingdom already. And the kingdom, this eschatological community, this kingdom, we're destined to rule and reign with Christ. We're in it now. It's not fully manifested what it's going to be. But since we're in it now, we are to be living the life of the kingdom. You know, the passages we read in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew 5 through 7 is commonly called the Sermon on the Mount because it was on a mountainside that Jesus delivered this sermon. There's been all kinds of confusion among Christians over the years as to what is the application of the Sermon on the Mount because there's some pretty hard stuff in there, right? Like, you know, somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn the other, and so forth. That's hard stuff. So scholars, theologians, they've debated. Some have said, well, we know none of this is possible. So this is just telling us how things are going to look when we get into the kingdom. They're failing to recognize we're already in the kingdom. And what we have in the Sermon on the Mount, really, it's the way of life for the subjects of the kingdom. This is how the kingdom people are to live. Because the kingdom has already come. The kingdom is in us because of the spirit. 
And yes, it's going to have a fuller manifestation where it's going to encompass the whole earth. But for now, we are collectively the community that is demonstrating to the world what it's like to live under the righteous reign of Christ. Final thing I want to say, I'm more convinced than ever that if we're going to see people drawn to Christ and his church in the days ahead, it will be through Christians not only preaching the gospel, but living in the way of Jesus. You know, seriously, the days are over where you could get by with not practicing what you preach. There's so much skepticism. There's so much cynicism in the culture today regarding the church. The last thing anybody's going to listen to is somebody who says one thing but does another. And a lot of the skepticism and cynicism in the world toward the church today is because of that very thing. Because people have preached one thing and done something completely different. So... I do believe that God is going to draw people to Christ and into the church in the days ahead. But I also believe that our part is to not just preach, we must preach, but we've got to live in the way of Jesus. And that's the way God has always intended it to be. It's never been meant to be any other way. And that's why Paul is coming down so hard on the Corinthians, because basically what they're doing is they're preaching one thing and then contradicting it in their personal and collective lives. And so we can't do that. That is no longer going to even be tolerated. We have got to live out what Jesus said. And when we do, people might think we're crazy, but it's a good crazy. It's a crazy that says, wow, man, I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen anyone just walk away from millions of dollars because they wanted to honor God. Wow. It's kind of stupid, but it's also impressive. (laughs) I'm thinking like the person in the world. that, that, That affects people. They see that this is real. And so as we live this out, the world sees it's real. And then when we share verbally, it gives credibility to what we say. For the month of February, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Know Why You Believe by Paul E. Little. Does God really exist? And if he does, why is there so much suffering in the world? Doesn't science actually disprove the Bible? So how can we even trust what the Bible says? What proof is there that Jesus really rose from the dead? If you've ever wondered about these questions, then this month's book, Know Why You Believe by Paul E. Little, will help you answer these very questions and many others. If you want to wrestle with your own questions or the questions of others about the practical implications of the Christian faith, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. 
The book, Know Why You Believe by Paul E. Little, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of 1 Corinthians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. Hi, this is Cheryl and Brian Broderson. And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022. And we want you there with us. Yeah, the dates are October 23rd through November 4th. And this is going to be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian... You and I both know there's so much because we love watching the Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at Jerusalem or Caesarea. Yep. Or Mount Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yes. And it is the trip of a lifetime. So we'd love to have you join us. And if you're interested, we're going to have an informational meeting on Sunday, March 20th at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. Or you can find out the details if you go online at israel.cccm.com. Yep. We hope you can join us. It's going to be great. It will be. 